Hey there, and welcome to the Bakingish Podcast, the podcast where we go through cult classic and timeless recipes, break down what makes them work, and how to experiment with recipes in order to make it truly your own. Along the way, we'll discuss what makes life worth living, the highs and the lows, and try to figure out what it is to navigate the complexity of being human. Within the kitchen, you are limitless, and with that comes the ability to find a voice in order to face the outside world. So join me, your host, Ren Newman, as we dive right on into this week's recipe. Hey everyone, and welcome to this Saturday's episode. Sorry I missed last week. I'm working on a super secret project, and you guys will figure it out soon enough, but um, it's been taking up a lot of my time. I'm very excited about it. It's something that's... um, definitely going to change the landscape of a couple of things so stay tuned for that it'll probably be coming out in the next like two or three weeks it's not baking related but it is human related um it has to do with people's identities and well-being and so that is incredibly important but um this week we're going to be talking about bipolar disorder so bipolar disorder which was formerly called manic depressive illness or manic depression, is a mental disorder that causes unusual shifts in mood, energy, activity levels, concentration, and the ability to carry out day-to-day tasks. Like I said last time, there are three different types of bipolar disorder. All three types involve clear changes in mood, energy, and activity levels. These moods range from periods of extremely up, elated, irritable, or energized behavior, known as manic episodes, to very down, sad, indifferent, or hopeless periods, known as depressive episodes. Less severe periods are known as hypomanic episodes. Bipolar 1 disorder is defined by manic episodes that last at least 7 days, or by manic symptoms that are so severe that the person needs immediate hospital care. Usually, depressive episodes occur as well, lasting at least two weeks. Episodes of depression with mixed features, having depressive symptoms and manic symptoms at the same time, are also possible. Bipolar 2 Disorder It's defined by a pattern of depressive episodes and hypomanic episodes, but not the full-blown manic episodes that are typical of bipolar 1. Cyclosmic disorder. It's defined by periods of hypomanic symptoms as well as periods of depressive symptoms lasting for at least two years, one year in children and in adolescents. However, the symptoms don't meet the diagnostic requirements for a hypomanic episode and a depressive episode. And I have no idea if I said that correctly, so please (laughs) let me know in the comments. Uh, Words are hard. English is difficult. Um, Sometimes a person might experience symptoms of bipolar disorder that do not match the three above, which is referred to as other specified and unspecified bipolar and related disorders. Bipolar disorder is typically diagnosed during late adolescence, your teen years, or early adulthood, early 20s. Kind of similar to um, schizophrenia. So schizophrenia is diagnosed usually in your early adulthood. Sometimes it can be diagnosed in your late 20s, um, but it'll usually be caught during that time. That's when your frontal lobe is finishing um, with development, and so a lot of mental illnesses uh, become solidified at that time, and um, their symptoms begin to take effect. 
So a lot of people go through their teen years thinking that they don't have a mental illness only to get to their 20s and find out that they do, Um, which is really hard because if you're not growing up with it or going through it at an early stage, you have your whole life, it seems like, built up and prepared and ready to go and then all of a sudden you have this blowback and it's not something that you can help it's not something that you can prevent um and it just kind of feels like your brain's against you and it can be really really damaging um to one's confidence and one's uh feeling of being able to take on anything that happens um in life and so yeah getting a later diagnosis I think is definitely harder than having an earlier one For me, I don't have bipolar, um, but I was diagnosed with depression when I was like, oh God, nine, ten on the clinical level. It runs in my family, so it makes sense um, that my brain wouldn't produce enough serotonin. But I was diagnosed early so I could go through the early stages of dealing with it so I can learn how I best manage it and how best to cope. Um, Whereas I didn't have to go through it later on. So I didn't have that surprise factor. Um, I think for me that would have been harder. So I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like for someone with schizophrenia or bipolar. I mean, even just seeing my sister go through it later on in life. um, She already had autism, but having schizophrenia diagnosed on top of that when she was 19, 20 um, was very difficult because it changed it didn't change her but it changed some aspects of her personality and how she saw the world and so it caused us to have to reshift our focus onto addressing those areas that she needed most help in um and so that's that's kind of how it is it's really hard to pivot into change and the only constant in the world is change um and it's ridiculous that we don't expect humans to change as well like if you're not solidified in who you are by a certain age then you don't have it all together or you don't have it all figured out but i don't think that's the point um i think the point is being able to change as you grow and finding out more about your brain and how you deal with situations and how you feel as part of that and so um dealing with it at different times is a given I just think it would be harder to deal with it later. And I applaud people who do and who manage it well. Um, It is not easy. So just a little side tangent there. Uh, Occasionally, bipolar symptoms can appear in children. Um, Bipolar disorder can also appear during a woman's pregnancy or following childbirth. And although the symptoms may vary over time, bipolar disorder usually requires lifelong treatment. Following a prescribed treatment plan can help people to manage their symptoms and improve their quality of life. Just like with anything else, you just want to make sure that you're falling into a routine that best benefits you and how you uh, cope, learn, and grow. So some signs and symptoms of people with bipolar disorder um, usually include periods of intense emotion, changes in sleep patterns and activity levels, and uncharacteristic behaviors. Often, these occur without the people who have bipolar disorder recognizing their likely harmful or undesirable effects. These distinct periods are called mood episodes. Mood episodes are very different from the moods and behaviors that are typical for the person. During an episode, the symptoms may last every day for most of the day. Episodes may also last for longer periods, such as several days or weeks. So I'm going to break it down between people who are having a manic episode and people who are having a depressive episode. 
So let's go through people having a manic episode first. They may feel very up, high, elated, or irritable or touchy. They might feel jumpy or wired, have a decreased need for sleep, a loss of appetite, talk very fast about a lot of different things, feel like their thoughts are racing, think they can do a lot of things at once, do risky things that show poor judgment, such as eat and drink excessively, spend or give away a lot of money, or have reckless sex, feel like they are unusually important, talented, or powerful. So basically, it can just emphasize the parts of ourselves that you know, we may not want to emphasize, or in some cases we want to. Um, It just takes the confident parts of you and makes them overly so. Almost pushes them to the narcissist side. Um, And that's what bipolar is. It's not really something to be afraid of. Uh, It can be scary at first, but it's just emphasizing and de-emphasizing different parts of your personality um, to extremes, which can both make you feel good, like a manic episode, you feel like you're on top of the world, or it can make you feel really bad, like having a depressive episode where you feel like you're lower than the center of the earth, which isn't even possible, and if you made it to the center of the earth, you wouldn't really uh, last long, Uh, but it just places more emphasis on one or no part of your personality, which is hard, because you feel like you, but also not. It's a very weird feeling. All right. People who are having a depressive episode may feel very sad, down, empty, worried, or hopeless. They may feel slowed down or restless. They may have trouble falling asleep. They may wake up too early or sleep too much. Experience increased appetite and weight gain. Talk very slowly. Feel like they have nothing to say. Forget a lot. Have trouble concentrating or making decisions. Feel unable to do even simple things have little interest in almost all activities, a decreased or absent sex drive, or an inability to experience pleasure. Or they might feel hopeless or worthless and think about um, death or suicide. So sometimes people experience both manic and depressive symptoms in the same episode. This kind of episode is called an episode with mixed features. People experiencing an episode with mixed features may feel very sad, empty, or hopeless, while at the same time feeling extremely energized. A person may have bipolar disorder if their symptoms are less extreme. For example, some people with bipolar disorder, bipolar 2 specifically, experience hypomania, a less severe form of mania. During a hypomanic episode, a person may feel good, be able to get things done, and keep up with day-to-day life. The person may not feel that anything is wrong, but family and friends may recognize the changes in mood or activity levels as possible bipolar disorder. Without proper treatment, people with hypomania can develop severe mania or depression. Alright, on to the diagnosis. Proper diagnosis and treatment can help people with bipolar disorder lead a healthy and active life. Talking with a doctor or other licensed healthcare professional is a first step. The healthcare provider can complete a physical exam and order necessary medical tests to rule out other conditions. Because the brain is so complex, 
Um, there are a bunch of different symptoms that can lead to different illnesses. And so it is really imperative that you go to a healthcare provider because they are going to be able to best help you. Uh, whereas if you Google your symptoms, you're going to come up with a plethora of things. And I think we can all say that we've been on WebMD maybe once or twice and thought we had pneumonia when we had the flu or a really severe cold. So it's definitely imperative that you go to someone who knows more about the brain so they can help you with your brain. Google can't really do that. <laughs> May have predictive text, but it can't predict your life. Um, the healthcare provider you go to may then conduct a health exam or provide a referral to a trained mental health care provider, such as a psychiatrist, psychologist, or a clinical social worker who has experience in diagnosing and treating bipolar disorders. Mental health care providers can usually diagnose bipolar disorder based on person's symptoms, lifetime history, experiences, and in some cases, family history. Accurate diagnosis in youth is particularly important. So like I said earlier, uh, some bipolar disorder symptoms are very similar to those of other illnesses, which can make it challenging for a healthcare provider to make a diagnosis. In addition, many people have bipolar disorder along with another mental disorder or condition such as anxiety disorder, substance abuse disorder, or an eating disorder. People with bipolar disorder have an increased chance of having thyroid disease, migraine headaches, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, and other physical illnesses. So I'm going to jump into some of the overlapping diagnoses that, um, whose criteria fit diagnosis for bipolar disorder, just so you have a better grasp of the other things that it could be. Um, this is just a coinciding list. It's not something to take seriously or, um, to take to heart. Definitely seek out medical help if you need it. That being said, um, Let's jump into it. Psychosis. Sometimes a person with severe episodes of mania or depression may experience psychotic symptoms, such as hallucinations or delusions. The psychotic symptoms tend to match the person's extreme mood. For example, people having psychotic symptoms during a manic episode may have the unrealistic belief that they are famous, have a lot of money, or have special powers. Right? It's just emphasizing that part of our brain is like, ah, oh, yes, I am the best. <laughs> you know? When your parents tell you when you're little, like, oh, you're my favorite, or you're such a good teammate, or such a good student, um, you know, it just emphasizes that part of your ego that's like, yes, I deserve the things I have, and I deserve more. Um, and there's nothing wrong with wanting more, but there is a time and a place for that, right? You don't want to have that mindset when it comes to people, for example. Um, people having psychotic symptoms during a depressive episode, however, may falsely believe that they are financially ruined and penniless, having committed crimes, or have an unrecognized serious illness. Uh, as a result, people with bipolar disorder who also have psychotic symptoms are sometimes incorrectly diagnosed with schizophrenia. Like I said earlier, they're both diagnosed usually in the same time frame just because the frontal lobe is finishing up with development. Um, that usually is finished by the time a person is 25, sometimes later, sometimes earlier. Depends on the person. Um, but because the frontal lobe finishes developing around that time, both of these come to light and they can coincide or even overlap and actually um, be misdiagnosed as one or the other. 
Uh, when people have symptoms of bipolar disorder and also experience periods of psychosis that are separate from mood episodes, the appropriate diagnosis may be schizoaffective disorder. Um, this is similar to schizophrenia, but it's a different category. Um, it's a little hard to explain, but I will go into a separate episode on it uh, coming up soon. Anxiety. Uh, it is common for people with bipolar disorder to also have an anxiety disorder. If you don't know what anxiety is, um, I covered it in the second series, um, third episode of this podcast. So please go check that out. Uh, I cover that in depth. It's something that I actually deal with too, anxiety and depression. Those two usually go hand in hand. They're the best of friends. They always have been, probably always will be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I go into more detail on it there. Um, ADHD, or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. It's common for people with bipolar disorder to also have ADHD. So this is actually, uh, <laughs> it's misrepresented because it presents differently depending upon if you're uh, assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth. Um, it can appear differently. So I think we're all used to seeing someone with ADHD as being super hyper and not able to focus and just like... Uh, kind of like a class clown, you know, they just kind of shout out random things or do random things. And, and it's not because they're looking for a laugh, although it could be, um, it's because they can't help themselves and they can't stop their body and they need to move and they need to be fidgeting and, you know, have that stimulation. Um, that usually presents in males. So if you're assigned female at birth, your ADHD will actually present differently. It'll present more like, um, depression or anxiety or having an inability to focus versus being super hyper while having an inability to focus. It's very interesting and I didn't realize that that's how ADHD manifested in those who were assigned female at birth because um, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it actually overlaps with my anxiety and depression diagnosis. And so it made me wonder if I had ADHD, haven't been tested or anything. Um, I do think I have depression, not ADHD. Um, I just think it comes with bouts of <laughs> insomnia and, uh, feeling like I can't focus and needing outside stimulus, but not being able to focus on the stimulus. So it's a very interesting thing, but um, people with bipolar disorder may misuse alcohol or drugs and engage in other high-risk behaviors at times of impaired judgment during manic episodes. Although the negative effects of alcohol or drug use may be most evident to family, friends, and healthcare providers, it's important to recognize the presence of an associated mental disorder. Eating disorders. In some cases, people with bipolar disorder also have an eating disorder, such as binge eating or bulimia. When you're really emphasizing parts of your personality and exacerbating those, uh, such as in bipolar disorder, if you're feeling manic or depressive, you might eat a lot. So you might binge during a manic episode because you're like, oh, I'll never gain weight. And like, I'm on top of the world and I'm the best person ever. So, you know, you'll never gain weight. But during a depressive episode, you might not eat at all. And so you can go through bouts of eating a lot and then not eating anything or, um, eating a lot regardless. Developing a food addiction. Alright, so we're going to go over some risk factors. Researchers are studying the possible causes of bipolar disorder. 
Most agree that there is no single cause and it is likely many factors that contribute to a person's chance of having the illness. Starting with brain structure and functioning. Some studies indicate that the brains of people with bipolar disorder may differ from the brains of people who do not have bipolar disorder or any other mental disorder. Learning more about these differences may help scientists understand bipolar disorder and determine which treatments will work best. At this time, healthcare providers base the diagnosis and treatment plan on a person's symptoms and history rather than brain imaging or other diagnostic tests. Genetics Some research suggests that people with certain genes are more likely to develop bipolar disorder. Research also shows that people who have a parent or sibling with bipolar disorder can have an increased chance of having the disorder themselves. Many genes are involved, and no one gene can cause the disorder. Learning more about how genes play a role in bipolar disorder may help researchers develop new treatments. Uh, speaking of genetics, they are working on this for pretty much every mental illness. Um, there is no one gene that causes any mental illness. It's a very complex thing. It has to do both with genetics and lifestyle and your um, brain structure. So all three of those things can be a factor in developing a uh, mental illness or in... Um, treatment of it as well. It's a very complex thing and when you have three variables interworking together to create one mental illness, it's hard to single out just a specific thing that you can target and treat and go after. So just know that your mental illness is not your fault. It is a combination of things that were outside of your control that happened before you were born. Um, the only thing you can do is supplement with your lifestyle. And so, you know, you hear it all the time. It's like exercise and eating well, but it's also having social time, having time away from friends and family to recharge um, and making sure you're doing things that you enjoy, like gardening, reading, drawing, playing D&D, you know, uh, <laughs> researching butterflies or doing all of the weird and wacky things that humans do to occupy your time here. So, all right, some treatments and therapies for bipolar disorder. So, treatment can help many people, including those with the most severe forms of bipolar disorder. An effective treatment plan usually includes a combination of medication and psychotherapy, also called talk therapy. Uh, bipolar disorder is a lifelong illness. Episodes of mania and depression typically come back over time. Between episodes, many people with bipolar disorder are free of mood changes, but some people may have lingering symptoms. Long-term continuous treatment can help people manage these symptoms. Certain medications can help with this as well. Uh, some people need to try different medications and work with their healthcare provider before finding the medications that work best. Sadly, there is no one-size-fits-all. It's the same with depression as well. You do have to try a bunch of different medications, uh, Wellbutrin, Effexor, uh, that kind of thing, uh, in order to find the one that works best for your brain chemistry. All brains are different, and all medications are different, and so you have to find the right puzzle piece, if you will, um, to ensure that your brain can continue to function. So, medications usually used to treat bipolar disorder include mood stabilizers and second generation or atypical antipsychotics. Treatment plans may also include medications that target sleep or anxiety. Healthcare providers often prescribe antidepressant medication to treat depressive episodes in bipolar disorder, combining the antidepressant with a mood stabilizer to prevent triggering a manic episode. 
if you are taking a medication, you should always talk with your healthcare provider to understand the risks and the benefits of the medication. Uh, tell your healthcare provider about any prescription drugs, over-the-counter medications, or supplements that you're already taking, including vitamins. It's actually super important. Um, report any concern about side effects to a healthcare provider right away. Uh, it may seem like it's all in your head, but if you're having side effects, you need to tell them, like, then and there. Um, they can change the dose or try a different medication, but at the end of the day, that's your brain and your life. And so you want to make sure that you protect that and that you... Um, treat it with care. It's something you can't see, right? Like when you get a bruise, you can see it clearly on your arm or in your leg. Uh, but when your brain is hurting, you can't see it. So it's imperative that if you feel different or if you feel like it's not working, you tell someone about it. Remember that medication for bipolar disorder must be taken consistently as prescribed, even when you're feeling well, and especially when you're not feeling well. It is so easy to just stop taking your medication and then your symptoms get worse and you're like, ah, that's the reason I take my medication. Um, don't stop taking it without talking to a healthcare provider first. Suddenly stopping a medication may lead to a rebound or a worsening of bipolar symptoms. Psychotherapy, also called talk therapy, can be an effective part of the treatment plan for people with bipolar disorder as well. This is a term for a variety of treatment techniques that aim to help a person identify and change troubling emotions, thoughts, and behaviors. It can provide support, education, and guidance to people with bipolar disorder and their families. Treatment may include therapies such as cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, and psychoeducation, which are used to treat a variety of conditions. Treatment may also include newer therapies designed specifically for the treatment of bipolar disorder, including interpersonal and social rhythm therapy, IPSRT, and family-focused therapy. Determining whether intensive psychotherapeutic intervention at the earliest stages of bipolar disorder can limit or prevent a full-blown onset uh, manic episode is an important area of ongoing research. It's like that whole thing of treatment versus prevention. You always want to be doing preventative medicine, right? Like, you don't want to come in for your heart after 50 years of living and you ate whatever you want, you did whatever you wanted, you didn't think about your health, and then have heart disease, right? You want to do preventative medicine. You want to make sure that you're doing everything you can before you get to the point of needing treatment. That way you don't end up needing treatment and you don't end up needing to go to the doctor if you can prevent it. Sometimes it's very much outside of your control, which is what these therapists are trying to um, test with the uh, earlier psychotherapeutic intervention. So it's just to see if it makes an effect, a greater effect, having it earlier on versus later on. So some other treatment options um, include transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS. Um, this is a newer approach to brain stimulation that uses magnetic waves. It's delivered to an awake patient mostly for days or for one month. Um, research shows that TMS is helpful for many people with various subtypes of depression, but its role in the treatment of bipolar disorder is still under study. I actually have a friend with depression and severe anxiety who uh, goes for this treatment, and she abs absolutely loves it. Um, you just go in for an appointment like you would any other doctor's appointment, and they use magnetic uh, waves in order to 
target the areas of your brain that are not producing enough serotonin or not producing enough of one thing or another in order to offset that. Um, But yeah, she really, really, really enjoys it and it helps her a lot. And I don't think she'd be able to do as well as she is without it. Um, And so that's one instance where this newer therapy has actually proven effective. Supplements. Although there are some reports that supplements and herbs may help, not enough research has been conducted to fully understand how these supplements may affect people with bipolar disorder. It is important for your healthcare provider to know about all prescription drugs, over-the-counter medications, and supplements that you are taking. Certain medications and supplements taken together can cause unwanted or dangerous effects. Believe it or not, but if you're taking herbs like valerian root or turmeric or turmeric, controversial uh, pronunciation there, Uh, (laughs) um, they can counteract with some of the medications that you're taking. Um, If you have too much vitamin A or too much vitamin D or K or any plethora of other over-the-counter supplements, they can interact with how your medicine is taking effect. and I, I don't necessarily agree with the supplement industry as a whole. You can basically take any powder and put it into a capsule and say that it's whatever supplement. It's not regulated by the FDA, at least in the U.S. And so these things that say, oh, I have 10,000 milligrams of biotin in this capsule, it's, it's not accurate. And it's very detrimental. It can be very dangerous. Um, But yeah, that's a tangent for another time. So some things to ask about treatment. Why is therapy a necessary part of bipolar treatment? Mood stabilizing medication is an important aspect of managing bipolar disorder symptoms. However, some patients have trouble remembering to take a daily pill or may not want to. That's why recognizing behavior patterns is also important. This can help you feel better prepared for an upcoming manic or depressive episode and feel more in control about what to expect. Therapy helps to empower you by giving you support in ways that medicine cannot. Another question. Will I have to be hospitalized for bipolar disorder during a manic or depressive episode? Both inpatient and outpatient bipolar disorder treatments are available from um, a few different sources, mainly from Ascension, Sutton, Behavioral Health Care System. Um, This is a facility that actually focuses on different mental health issues and programs. Um, So their outpatient programs use behavioral therapy to manage impulsive behavior. Inpatient mental health services begin with medical evaluation and treatment planning. Supportive individual and group care are also provided, and help with transition during and following your return to normal daily life is also needed to help cope with bipolar disorder symptoms. Lastly, is a normal life possible when living with BPD, bipolar disorder? Um, Long-term care of bipolar disorder symptoms requires a strong commitment from the patient, as well as supportive friends and family. Like anything else, one of the biggest challenges in treating BPD lies in getting consistent care. As, you know, dealing with BPD may make poor decisions a lot more accessible during either a manic or depressive episode. However, a sense of community can help keep patients from feeling isolated or helpless. This, together with other treatments, allow BPD to be treated in a way that allows for enjoyment of a full and happy life. 
So here are two examples of things you can do beyond clinical treatment. And I know we all know this first one. I get it. I get tired of hearing it too. Like, you're depressed. Just go outside. It's it's really annoying, but it actually really does work. I can't explain it. I'm also fed up of hearing it too. But, you know, regular exercise, regular aerobic exercise, like jogging, walking, bicycling, it helps with depression and anxiety, helps with your sleep, and it's healthy for your heart and brain. I, I don't... <laughs> my body wants it. I don't want it mentally, but it helps. So I do it. <laughs> so you should try it too. It gets old hearing the excuse of, have you tried yoga? Have you tried X, Y, and Z exercise? Like, yeah, my brain still doesn't work with those. It just helps supplement the working parts. So it's hard, but it does help just a little bit. Um, one other thing you can do is to keep a life chart. Even with proper treatment, mood changes can occur, right? So treatment is more effective when you and a healthcare provider work together and talk openly about concerns and choices. So keeping a life chart that records daily mood symptoms, treatments, sleep patterns, and life events can help you and your provider track and treat bipolar disorder over time. You can easily share your data with smartphone apps, like self-reports, self-ratings, and activity data with your therapist, and you can keep track of your highs and your lows just a little bit better. Um, this is very tedious, but I find keeping like a bullet journal helps, or um, they have gridded journals, and you can easily just like fill in the squares for days that you feel high or feel, feel low, or like color code it. There's a bunch of different ways you can get real fancy with it. So, uh, I recommend Googling it. Um, you can do like, uh, there are plant trackers or watering trackers. You can do that, but for you, for your mental health. So, definitely highly recommend. Um, and of course, some things that you shouldn't say to someone with bipolar disorder, if you're listening to this and it's like, ah, oh, yes, I think my friend has it. This is what you shouldn't say to anyone with bipolar disorder or things that you shouldn't say to yourself if you have it. Uh, number one, you're just overreacting again. Overreacting is a symptom of bipolar disorder. Hearing harsh words that would be painful to anyone, you may respond with extreme anger or dark depression. Even a sad movie can make a person with bipolar disorder overreact. But you're not just overreacting, and it's not as if you can always take a deep breath and stop it. Your illness can make that very difficult. Uh, number two, anything that doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Also from a point of depression, I hate this. Like, it just, I, it doesn't make you stronger. It just, it makes you endure things for a longer time. That's not strength. That's putting up with your brain. There's, there's a difference. Um, and the glorification of being strong because you can deal with your mental illness in a silent manner or in a brave manner, it's ridiculous. And we really need to deconstruct that. Um, yes, it's true that some people go through different difficult experiences. They learn from them, and they come out of it stronger. But this phrase is wrong. Bipolar disorder can kill. At least 25% to 60% of people with bipolar disorder attempt suicide, and between 4 and 16% succeed. Leave this cliche out of your repertoire. If you have a friend or family with bipolar disorder, be alert for when they might go into a crisis, and do not leave them alone. This idea that you have to suffer in silence is really old. 
It's very strongly presented in our society, and I think that comes from the stigma that we've faced um, having mental illness in society, especially in different cultures and races. Um, you're not supposed to talk about it. You're not supposed to, you know, you're just supposed to brush it under the rug. It's supposed to be this this thing that hides under your bed, and you don't you don't mention it. I mean, women were taken to asylums for having hysteria, right? They didn't have hysteria. That's not a thing. They just put away women because they didn't know how to deal with mental illness or to deal with changing times or to deal with women who wanted more for themselves. So they shuttered them off. Um, the idea that you have to suffer in silence and that makes you brave is ridiculous. It, it really leads to a toxic complex um, and a power play, right? Like you feel afraid to reach out for help because if you reach out for help, you're weak. But you also need help. So it is a stupid conundrum that exists in society and we really need to deconstruct it. And if you think your friend is struggling, do not wait for them to reach out. You reach out first. You know, we we have the responsibility to make a more ethical society than the one we grew up in, right? And that doesn't start by being a bystander. That starts by taking effective measures and in, in creating change in your own way and that starts by acting on things that's not to say to go overboard but you know if you believe in something you have to act on it otherwise it just is a belief you know there is an old christianism um it's like faith without action is dead and i'm not christian but it's so true and it, it's true of pretty much anything in society right a movement without action is dead uh, policies without action are dead laws without action are dead we're seeing that right now quite honestly um but if you believe in something and you don't take a chance take a chance if you don't stand up for it nothing will happen if you don't stand up for your friend and take action Nothing will happen. Everything will stay the same. And you don't know what that could do. So staying silent doesn't help. So on either end, so reach out. Number three, everyone has mood swings sometimes. That's true. For one thing, 8% of American adults and 4% of adolescents have major depressive disorder. So having periods of depression. And... Even among those who don't have a diagnosable disorder that has mood swings, people have changes in mood. But only people with bipolar disorder and schizoaffective disorder, as well as related severe mental illnesses, have repeated and severe mood swings between mania or hypomania and depression. That's the difference. It's repeated and severe. It's not just... Uh, uptick in emotion because you saw a cute dog on the sidewalk and you got to pet it and you found it its name was franklin and you're like ah great name for a dog um it's not like that you don't just switch your mood up and down a couple notches it's going from zero to 100 and then back to negative 10 so everyone has shifts in mood but not everyone has mood swings um number five Everyone is a little bipolar sometimes. This phrase, I feel like I don't even need to explain. Um, it's just, it's very insensitive for the person who has bipolar disorder. It's diminishing 
um, the struggles of their own plight against their mental illness. And so if you've said this before, it's okay. Just know that it's not okay to say it going forward. And that's the process of learning, right? It's breaking down the things that we think are true and replacing them with the things that are true. Um, and that can change, uh, especially as we have biases, right? It's it's very hard to find objective truth. Uh, so. Number six, you are psycho, nuts, crazy, cuckoo, deranged, bonkers, or any one of the dozen negative words and phrases are insensitive to people with diagnosable disorders. You may be used to throwing out such phrases around to brand your friend's behavior without realizing how they can be hurtful to someone who is coping with the disorder. I am so tired of being called crazy or nuts or um, an it. I have been called an it so many times and that is so dehumanizing. Um, if not for my talk about depression, then because of my appearance or my talks on the LGBTQ community, people dehumanize me and they'll say, Oh, look at it over there. Or they, <laughs> one instance, they couldn't, someone couldn't tell if I was a boy or a girl. So they just said it, which like, I was, oh, I could drive. I was 16 at the time. I think I just gotten my license. And mind you, this is in a small town, but uh, someone had called me an it out in public. And I was, that was the first time. And I was very taken aback. Um, but depersonalizing someone who has a mental illness is just, it's not right. Instead of crazy, let me propose a word for you. Use the phrase, or a phrase, rather. Uh, use the phrase, so 2020. Like, uh, my weekend, instead of saying it was crazy, say, oh, my weekend was so 2020. Like, I feel like this year, we don't really need to explain or unpack. Everyone would just understand that it was very, very bizarre. Um, or how are you feeling? Very 2020. Like, I, I just feel like it speaks for, for itself. Let's just try that. Or replace it with a random word like mango. You know, like, there is no right word to replace it with. Just make sure that you're actively trying not to say it. Uh, I forgot what number we're on, but let's continue. <laughs> um, you're acting like a maniac. This one is extremely offensive um, because maniacs are portrayed as violent and deranged. Uh, bipolar mania doesn't automatically mean that a person will be dangerous, and it's not the same thing as antisocial personality disorder or being psychopathic. So, uh, similar with you are psycho, this one we just need to replace with something else. Um, the next one, I wish I was manic so I could get things done. <laughs> That's not all there is to mania. There are many symptoms of mania, and it would be helpful if you looked into them and you tried to understand what a person is going through. Mm, they may have a lot of energy, but they can also have racing thoughts, trouble sleeping, and do risky things. The next one. But you seem so normal. Maybe the person is between cycles, or maybe they're good at hiding what they're feeling. They may be in a hypomanic episode, and the only good things about it are visible at moments. Consider how this would sound if you had a serious illness such as cancer and someone said, You can't be sick. You look so normal. <laughs> There's not a right way to look when you have mental illness. There's no initiation. There's no uniform. There's no badge of honor that you can wear. There's no identifier, right? Like, it's all internal. 
So to say that someone doesn't look like something just doesn't make sense, in my opinion. So take care to avoid saying something that may come off as insensitive to a person with bipolar disorder or really to anyone. Try to let your words be encouraging and supportive without marginalizing people with psychiatric disorders. You know, just try to understand that someone may have mood swings. Listen to them, and also let them know that it's possible to feel better with patience and with the right treatment. This life is hard, and our brains aren't helping. (laughs) So, you can be the help that their brain otherwise would have provided. Alright, that's it for this week's episode. It was kind of a long one. Uh, My script is actually 10 pages. Didn't realize it was going to be this long. So I'm putting links in the description for a couple of resources on bipolar disorder um, in case you're interested in learning more. And then I also have other resources where you can donate um, to a few different causes that are going on. Um, If you're in Texas, the healthcare system is finally reevaluating health education. And so it's the first time since 1997 that that's been done. Um, they're also reevaluating sex education, which means getting rid of or supplementing, depending upon what you are looking for, um, the abstinence program and introducing LGBTQ sex education and queer education. Um, this is a huge thing. This hasn't changed <laughs> since I was born. And uh I think it's very detrimental to people to not be represented in the education that they're receiving. And so um, there will be a link in the description as well just to sign a petition to ask, just to ask the Texas Education Board to amend the current program that they're working on and to supplement it with uh, LGBTQ sex education and with um, a better program that actually teaches children and teens about their bodies because at the moment Texas is an abstinence only state and I think that's why we have some of the issues that we have in such a large um, rate of occurrence so if you're interested all of the links will be in the description thank you for listening and I hope you get some rest this weekend catch you next time